for tonight as we bring to a conclusion the uh, study of the book of Deuteronomy. I'm convinced that uh, there are so many things, particularly in the first five books of the Bible, that are kind of beneath the surface, that uh, the more you study them, the more you realize, If uh, just keep your finger there, but uh, what the Lord told the Pharisees over in John, let's see, did I, I didn't, but in the book of John, we see in verse, verse, chapter 5, verse 46, he says to those who were challenging him, he said, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So everything is based, the whole Bible is based on the writings of Moses. And we see that that's one reason that we see that the devil attacks creation. Because did Moses talk about creation? In the beginning, God created. So one of the underpinnings of humanism and the whole reason for evolution is if there's no God, then we got to come up with a way that we got here. And so evolution is trying to explain that. We know how we got here because God said that in the beginning, in the beginning of time, God did what? He created it out of nothing with his voice. And we saw last week, even with his fingers, he made the stars. And I mean, just all, just what he did so intricately. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, as the Bible says. But it all begins with Moses. It begins with the flood, with the fall. Uh, why are we like we are? Why is there war in the world? Why, uh, why was the first person ever born on earth a murderer? Because of sin and the fall. And then we look at uh, the, uh, one of the major uh, situations that if they would understand the flood, they would understand a lot about, uh, about the, the Grand Canyon and other things because uh, that, that didn't happen with wind. Wind would have rounded off those crags and crevices. But the rushing water doesn't. And so water that was receding off the earth caused all that because, well, we get in, you see how deep it is. So, I mean, I could really get into that. Just a, just a study of what happened after the flood and the ice age and all those different things that, that happened because uh, Moses wrote about it. You know, it's going to be good to get to heaven. And uh, I don't know if Moses will have a book signing uh, up there in heaven, but it's going to be good to get with Moses and say, hey, listen, I read your books. Well, all five of them, you know, I endured a preacher preaching about them for years, you know, whatever. That's going to be good stuff. But uh, I believe I believe in the Lord Jesus. So therefore, the more I get to know about Moses, the more that I could understand about the Lord Jesus. We'll even look at that tonight. And so we see now that he says, if you don't believe Moses, how can you believe me? And so we see now that as we come to the end of Moses' life in chapter 34, as we turn back there, we see, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. So there again, he's on the central area of, uh, of uh, the promised land. Um, and we see that uh, in the, uh, he was in the land of Gilead, the east side. 
as far as Dan, that was as far north as he could look, up close towards Syria, and all of Naphtali, which is down central plains, and so, or up around the Sea of Galilee, I'm sorry, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, central plains, and all the land of Judah, southern, and westward to the sea. What sea was that? Mediterranean. Uh, the south, and to the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees. That's another one of those intricate things. And that's uh, where you, I want to stop and go back sometimes and say, why does God keep telling us that uh, Jericho was the city of palm trees? Because we know, I mean, if you, uh, I remember Desert Storm or one of those, where we had troops over there and they would stop and would put their tanks in shade under the palm trees there in uh, Jericho. Uh, but uh, that's just one of those little intriguing things that the Bible puts in there, and you wonder why. So we see the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Now, what city of Zoar? Zo Zoar was on the outskirts of what two major cities that are, no longer exist? Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember, that's where, um, where Lot fled to. So he saw way down uh, past, south of the uh, Dead Sea. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not go, uh, shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of God, and he buried him. Uh, notice he, capital E, though God buried him in the valley, in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor uh, uh, his natural vigor uh, diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning of Moses for Moses ended. Now Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. Boy, that's the one thing I crave and I hope you do too. That's the one, that's the one spirit you want. The spirit of wisdom, isn't it? So he says, and he's, he uh, was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him so the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then, there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land, and by all the mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of Israel." So we see now that the Lord now, and I understand, and uh, I've never been over there, but uh, have a man in the audience who has, and you can get up there on that high mountain east of Jericho, and you can look, and you can see all the way to the Mediterranean Sea on a clear day. You can see all the way down to almost Egypt, and sometimes even you could see the uh, horizon of the Nile River, and then up north you can look all the way to Syria, and you can look all the way down the west coast of the uh, of the uh, uh, of the Dead Sea, all the way down to where Sodom and Gomorrah at one time was, but now Zoar was. And so the Lord allowed him to see it. And, of course, 
you can imagine what Moses was thinking as he got up there. And he was able to look at it. And then the Lord reminds him that this was a covenant that he made with uh, his great-granddaddy, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now he's 120 years old. And, but then that prohibition, that prohibition of uh, I'm going to allow you to see it, but you cannot cross over to it. I can, can you imagine the frustration that must have, well, the, just the mixed feelings. One thing, to see it. Another, to realize, boy, this is over trying to work with all these people. But for 40 years, he was, uh, uh, was a somebody. Then he was uh, 40 years a nobody. And then uh, he, for the next 40 years, he found out that God could use anybody. And now after all the uh, pain and the heartache that he's gone through, he's seen teenagers now up old, old enough to, and they're the senior citizens leading the people. He spent now this whole book preaching to them and trying to coax them and, and tell them about the blessings as well as the curses that's going to come upon them if, uh, if, whether or not they follow the Lord or if they do or if they don't, the, the conditional promises. And we see him reaffirming, reaffirming God's love for the people. And then he has to say, okay, it's time to leave. But, uh, and we see that, uh, that the servant uh, died it's interesting, he died, but he didn't die from old age. He didn't die from failing eyesight or bad health. We notice that the Bible says that, uh, uh, that, he was, that the servant died in Moab, he, uh, that he, no one knows the grave in which he was buried. He was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim. He didn't even have to wear glasses. Boy, that'd be nice. Um, and his natural vigor, vigor had diminished. Oh, my. Well, I would love that one, wouldn't you? Especially on Monday mornings, guys, right? <laughs> I, mean, that is, I mean, but he still had, he was still a teenager. His natural vigor had not diminished. And so we see that uh, God took him, and we see that the Lord buried him in the valley. Now, uh, we see that God says, um, he died in the land of Moab. Now, it's interesting that we see that uh, he died on Mount Pisgah. And this is, a, well, first of all, location, location, location. This is an interesting passage because we see later on with Elijah, remember, he was, when the Lord told him, I'm going to take you to, to home, uh, then the Lord translated him, or he took him to heaven. But remember, Elijah, or Elisha kept following him, wanting those, that double portion. And he followed him across the Jericho, and he followed him up to a mountain when the Lord took him. And of course, many, many people believe, and there's been a study on this, uh, that uh, actually he was around this mountain. Then uh, if you turn over with me to the book of uh, a book of Matthew. Now I'm going to, we're going to turn to a couple of passages tonight. But on the Mount of Transfiguration, why did, uh, why did the Lord bury him? Now, it's interesting. Nobody knows where he's buried. I, well, did I, you know, I like studying historical figures. And there's two that are very intriguing. Uh, Genghis Khan 
was one of the, many people believe he was one of the greatest conquerors. Of course, he was an Asian, so we don't know. But he conquered more landmass than anybody else. He conquered twice as much landmass that uh, Alexander the Great did. But, uh, of course, he was uh, a Mongolian or whatever. But um, uh, when he died, uh, he didn't want people to know where he was buried. And so they had the soldiers take him out and bury him in an unknown place. But then, to make sure that nobody knew where he was buried, they killed the pallbearers. Now, I wouldn't want to be a pallbearer at that funeral, would you? I mean, so they killed him. But then, to make sure they didn't know where Genghis Khan, and we don't know where he was buried to this day, uh, they had the people who killed the pallbearers murdered. So you can imagine, uh, that's vanity. But then I was studying, uh, there's a couple other people that were intriguing. I, just recently, I read... Uh, uh, Killing Crazy Horse by, uh, uh, oh, what's the, boy, I just lost his name, um, O'Reilly, uh, Bill O'Reilly. Uh, and he's got a lot of, I've read Kill, Killing Patton and all these others. And of course, uh, the bad thing about biographies, you always, at the end of them, you find out that they, 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 that they died, right? And so, uh, but uh, uh, Crazy Horse, uh, there was a, a Cochise, and it was another of his contemporaries, but uh, Cochise was one of the only Indian chiefs that never got defeated. But when he died, uh, nobody knows where he was buried. I mean, to this day, he gave instructions, and they've looked all over the place for Cochise, the Comanche Indian, uh, down around the borders of New Mexico, Arizona, Mexico. We don't know exactly where he's buried. I mean, we, excuse me, we do know about where he's buried, but, we don't, but they've never found his body. And so it's interesting that... Uh, we have here that the Lord, we, here we have a man who died and uh, he was probably on the, uh, around, uh, or of course we know about the, where he is buried. And then we talk about Elisha and he was buried over in that area also. But then uh, you've been over to the middle, uh, to um, the promised land and many people believe the transfigure, or they will, the tourists, they will take them up to Galilee where they will say, this is the Mount of Transfiguration. They have no biblical basis for that because the Bible tells us in Mark that after the, the uh, uh, Transfiguration, they went up to Galilee. So that means they were south of Galilee. But uh, here we see in chapter well, let's just read chapter 16, the last verse in chapter 16. This is one of those unfortunate chapter divisions because it actually belongs in chapter 17. But he says, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of God coming in his kingdom. So there's going to be several of you. There's going to be three of you, in fact, we're going to see in a moment, that are going to see the Son of God in his element. He's going in his kingdom. And so then we look in verse 1 of chapter 17. In six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them to a high mountain by themselves. What high mountain was that? And he transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and the clothes, because of white, uh, became white as light. And... Um, Behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them according to him. Then Peter, and of course we know what he did as far as uh, this. Why was it Moses and Elijah? 
because Moses represented the, of course, we don't know where he was buried. And then Elisha was taken to heaven. Now this will, this plays out even all the way to the book of Revelation. But what did God, why did God hide his body? And why do we know that it was even fought over? In fact, we'll look at Jude 9 in a moment. God had a special place. And so they would worship uh, Moses. And so they did, did that, but also God buried him. What does that exactly mean? And why was Moses still vig uh, full of vim and vigor at the end of his life? And we see that uh, God had a special place, a special reservation for Moses and Elijah here in this passage. So God still wasn't through with him yet. And, but notice also that the Lord was on the east side, uh, that Moses never crossed the promised land, even in his dead body. <laughs> and so that means that uh, here he is on the east side of the Jordan, and he's talking to the Lord Jesus about death. He died, but also about resurrection because Elisha never died. He, was res he rose he, he never died. And so we see that, uh, that there's a special element. Why did God do that? And then, of course, we know, as you would read the story, how that uh, in spite of all the glorification, or the, uh, in spite of these two men being with him, and by the way, how did Peter, James, and John know it was Moses and Elijah? Did they have name tags? <laughs> what, how did the, of course, the Spirit revealed it to them, that uh, this, this was Moses and Elijah. And so we see here that just some very intriguing things. But then we see that the Lord, the distinguish between Moses and Elijah and the Lord said, this is my beloved son. Not these are my beloved men, but this is him. This is the Lord Jesus. He's the fulfillment of the prophecies of Moses and Elijah. And so we see that God was not through with either one of those men yet because he still had a ministry for them. And so let's just turn over and we'll, okay, there's a couple other passages. Turn over with me over to the book of Jude. Now Jude was the half-brother of the Lord Jesus, along with James. You have James and Jude, and those were the, why do we call them half-brothers? Because they had a father, earthly father, and the Lord Jesus had a heavenly father. But uh, we see in the book of Jude, verse 9, and we see that the Bible says, Yet Michael, the archangel, the big guy, uh, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So here we see that Satan was fighting over the body of, of Moses. Why? The Lord had still had something else for him to do. And so we see that, uh, that and, and there are several things in this passage here. Michael the archangel, so here he's named as the archangel. And then we also see contending with the devil. How did he contend with them? And this is something that we have to be careful, folks. The, de the devil is a roaring lion seeking he he, whom he may devour. Smart people know how to deal with their opponents. They know how to respect them, even though they want to destroy them. What I mean by that is I have a hard time. Notice that Michael here fought with 
the devil, and obviously he powerfully, he was on equal terms with him. But as far as rebuking him and saying mean things about him, uh, he said, I'll let God take, I'll let the Lord take care of you. Uh, you know, it really bothers me. It's one song that I don't sing with uh, children is if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. And we make, we make the devil as a little guy with horns that sticks up, uh, you know, uh, like the cartoons or whatever. Uh, we make him just a little imp that goes around and makes us do naughty little things. You know, the devil is one of the most, was the most powerful angel up there. And of course, he thought he was so big that he could reject the Lord. But here, notice Michael did not say, I rebuke you, Satan. And that's another thing that bothered me. Is here you have... Uh, people on television, these faith healers and everything. I rebuke Satan. Well, no, I, I, I have to say, I, I'm going to say like with the Michael, uh, uh, Lord, you take care of him. I mean, isn't that what Michael said? And because, I mean, he didn't want to fight. I mean, they could have, boy, it would have, been, it would have been really nice to see a good old battle between Michael and Satan, wouldn't it? But that wasn't Michael's place to do it. And so he said, the Lord will take care of you. The one thing you're not going to do, you're not going to get past me. And Satan knew not to try. Remember, he will give angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. The angel of the Lord uh, encamp around about those who love him. Satan can't get through what God has placed to guard. He will keep us. You know, you know, the peace of God that passes understanding. Keep That's, that's a guard term. That's a, that's a century term, a military term, that God will keep us. And so I don't want to reach out and do something that I can't do, that Michael won't do. So I'm very careful. We need to respect our enemies. Now, that is why sometimes, you know, a politician will get in trouble. Um, I respect, I respect Adolf Hitler. <gasps> I don't respect him. Mean, he's an evil genius. But for a guy who's just a corporal in an army to rise up to where he was, there had to be, I mean, the guy was demon-possessed and all that, but they, there was something about him that I wish I had the power to lead like he did. No, but, no not like he did, but, you know, the power to do. I, I wish I could do for good what he did bad. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, some of his generals, Erwin Rommel, fantastic military genius, but... Guess what Patton did to beat him? He read his books. He respected the guy. And so, folks, we need to find out about our adversary, this devil, and try to figure out what his strong points are as well as his weak points, do we not? We want to know the methods and the wiles of Satan. But the last thing I want to do is take him on head to head because he's more powerful than I am. So I got to learn how to march with God. And so with that, um, you know, the devil's not just some little guy up there on your shoulder. He's a guy who can destroy you. And so we want to make sure that we realize, I mean, how many of you want to go out in the middle of the night in a jungle and hear a lion roar? Anybody? I mean, it's one of the scariest things I understand that could happen to human nature. Is, uh, the lion doesn't sleep at night, he roars at night. I mean, uh, I've talked to you about uh, the one time I heard a lion roar at a zoo, and I was at least 300 yards away from it, but it sounded like it was coming down on top of me. 
I mean, just something about that roar that just resonates. And so uh, I don't want to be, I mean, I don't know where he is. That's the bad thing about it at night when he roars. I mean, it sounds like he's all around you. And doesn't that the way you feel like Satan is too at times? And so I want to be, make sure that uh, when the lion roars, I've got the angels around me. And yet I don't want to even look at the angels. I want to say, Lord, you can rebuke them. Amen? And so we have to be careful. We want to respect our adversaries. I, I want to respect the Muslims. Not that I want anything to do with them. But folks, if we don't respect them and respect their power, they're going to destroy us. Does that make sense? Oh, let's just all get along. No, I want to respect my enemies. Because, but I want to keep them at bay. I want to keep them. I want to make sure that, uh, you know, that they can't hurt me. I want to, you know, I want to respect a, a thief. But I want to make sure that I put... Uh, I put barriers around to protect my family. And so there again, we need to respect our enemies and just say, you know, the, the devil doesn't like it. No, I, well, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to want to speak evil of dignities as we see. And here we got uh, people that now, does that mean, now be careful. I don't want to say that I, re, if you go out and say the boy, he really likes it, uh, uh, Adolf Hitler. No, I don't. Does that make sense? But boy, he had to have something that caused even rich people and generals and everybody else to follow him, even to the death. Now, that is power. That is something, now I think a lot of it was demon possession, but at the same time, he was a man to be, to be dealt with. But, he, but I would not want to take him on one on one, let alone Satan. But now, turn with me as we see that. Turn with me and let's just see that uh, the Michael guarded and is still guarding, as far as I know, that grave. But turn with me over to the book of Revelation chapter 11. In Revelation chapter 11, you see, then I... Uh, was given a reed, a measuring rod. He's in Jerusalem, and, he, and, the, uh, and the angel stood. And uh, he rose and measured the temple. By the way, there's a lot of things going on. People, even Italy is starting to return some of the, what they think are the, the temple treasures. I read that this past week. But they are also finding out that the, all, the exact place where that uh, Holy of Holy was holy, is not uh, where the uh, uh, golden dome of the rock is or what the the, the mosque the temple muslim temple actually it's north of there and so actually they could build that temple without destroying that um that um but that's going to be destroyed one day we know that because the lord's coming but we see that he says but um they talked about the court and so forth um and it's going to be given to the gentiles um, and they're going to tread on the city for how long? We see in verse 3, the land of verse 2, I mean, he says 42 months. Now, that's an important time. Three and a half years. We know that's going to be half of the tribulation. And I will give power to two, my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,000 
260 days. Jewish calendar, three and a half years. Clothed in sackcloth. And above the uh, two olive trees and two lampstands, standing before God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed to this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that it will not rain all the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all the plagues therein. First of all, who called fire down from heaven to destroy his enemies? Elijah. And uh, who was it that commanded? And you know, the Bible never tells us in the Old Testament that it was three and a half years. The New Testament twice tells us it's three and a half years. And who was it that stopped heaven, the rain on heaven for three and a half years? Elijah. But then look at the rest. So we have two, two, two identifications for Elijah. And they have power in heaven that no rain falls in devour, uh, all the days of their prophecy. And the power over waters to turn them to blood. Now who had powers over water to turn them to blood? Moses, and to strike the earth with all the plagues as often as they desire. Who had the power to strike the earth with plagues? Moses. So the first two deal with Elijah. The second two deal with Moses. And finally, and toward the end of times, Moses finally makes it to the promised land, to Jerusalem. Because God wasn't through with him. As long as Moses represented the law, he did not represent grace. But now that Moses represents judgment, God allows him into the promised land to judge and to drive out Satan. There's all kinds of things there. Um, you see in the Old Testament uh, where Joshua, uh, he, there was three kings on the east side of the river that, uh, that were taken care of by Moses. But then uh, on the, there were seven other uh, kingdoms that had to be destroyed on the, uh, in the promised land. In the, in the book of Revelation, we see there are three kings that were uh, dealt with, and then there were seven other nations that were, all these different things. It is so interesting how all these things tie together. But here we see that uh, one thing, that uh, we see that Moses was a unique person, and there was never a man like him. But uh, Moses who is now going to be a part of God's judgment. God's going to allow him in the end time to see the promised land. And of course, he'll be one of the ones who will be ushering in the millennium. And what a blessing that will be. I imagine Moses, whenever we, we know he'll be killed, and he and Elijah both. By the way, that's the first time Elijah's ever killed. So he'll die, but uh, it'll be interesting. I think they'll be right up there with the Lord, right in back of his white horse, don't you? As he, they come and they, the Lord Jesus plants his feet on uh, the Mount of Olives and marches into that temple that was built uh, for the presence of the Lord and rules and reigns there for a thousand years. So just, it's interesting, all the little things as you look at it, like I said, that's just some of the intriguing. Now, I, uh, 
like this morning, something you get into scripture and there's just so much you want to give, but you can't. And I was talking to Linda and, and Nita out there and I was still on point number four. And I said, well, listen, I'm still preaching. You know, I just, you know, sometimes you just wanted to share so much more, but the time's up. Well, here it is seven o'clock and I'm not through with it. But there again, we see that there's just so much in the Bible that just ties together all the little underpinnings of it all. And so as we turn back to the book of Deuteronomy now, we see that now the torch is passed in chapter 34. And we see no one knows his grave to this day. And Moses, and he talks about he lived, uh, but but then they wept for him for 30 days. But then in verse uh, nine, we see that Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation, is going to lead them to victory. The Moses represented the law, and the law can never lead you to the promised land. It's Jesus who does that. And Jesus is the Greek term for Joshua. And so we see that Jesus is, uh, is Greek, Joshua is Hebrew. But uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. And for Moses had laid hands on him. And so the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So we see that God now has passed the torch. Now, since then, there was, has never arisen a prophet. Notice that Moses was a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. There's no one else in the Bible like Moses, except, of course, our Lord Jesus, who talked to the God, Father, God the Father face to face. But, uh, but as I said, Moses was given the privilege of arguing with God more than anybody else. How many times did we see how the, uh, they're your people? No, they're your people. <laughs> you're going back and forth. Moses, you get down there, you're your people. No, Lord, the, I just love those little arguments that Moses had with God. And, of course, he was, saw the fringe of his garment. And then he just told him, Lord, go ahead and kill me. I'm through with these people. No, Moses, just keep on plugging away. And so we see that he said, and all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent to do in the land of Egypt and Pharaoh and the servants. We saw in Psalm 103 in Sunday school this morning, God showed his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. We want to know God's ways like Moses did. Oh, yeah, people, we want to see the great things that God can do. We want to see uh, lightning come down, and we want to see manna from heaven, and we want to see all that. But, folks, that really isn't uh, God's goal for us. God wants us to know him personally. He wants us to know his ways. He wants to be able to lead us in his paths. He wants to lead us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And to do that, uh, yes, we can see, oh, Lord, uh, you know, it's great to see that, uh, that you can call fire down from heaven. Or it's great to see that uh, with his hand he could, you know, that the, the, the ocean can be turned back. But what does that do for me unless I know God like Moses knows God? And what I mean by that is, Lord... Just give me a little bit, half of it. Remember what uh, Elisha prayed? Lord, give me a double portion. 
Well, with Moses, to me, I'd say, Lord, if you can give me just half of what Moses had, I'll be happy. <laughs> you know, just one of those things. Lord, help me to know your ways. Help me to follow you. I want to see the miracles, but the miracles, uh, they're fine. But really, I want you to be able to talk to me. I want you to be able to lead me. I want to be sensitive to, to your calling. I want to be able to know that whenever I go to you in that time of prayer, that you're with me and that you'll never leave me and forsake me. And I, It's one thing to say that. It's another, another thing to experience it. You know, we talked about that this morning, about how there's just certain times in your life where God speaks to you through his word. And uh, I love getting with people and just sharing. I've talked to you about song, that, uh, how that God uh, just uh, right went down when I was down to nothing, and God put that song in it as well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, though let this blessed assurance control that, God, that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Praise the Lord. You know, if I have that, and, God get, and I'll never forget where God did that. God spoke to me. Now, did I see acts of God? No, I saw the ways of God and how that God speaks to his people. I've mentioned, I, well, I can go through and I've mentioned to you from time to time verses that just God gave to me at the right time. And they, I'll never forget them. And I hope that's been your experience, that God has spoken to you through his word, through some message that you've heard, and where God promises you that close, intimate relationship when, you don't, when no one else can help you. And you feel those, as the song says, his loving arms around me. Let me tell you about my Lord. Let me tell what, Okay, help me with that verse. Uh, I'm along. I would like to tell you what I think of Jesus. Why? Because he's become more than a friend to me. Oh, that we have that, that we know the ways of God. Yes, I want to see the acts of God. Boy, sometimes you, as a pastor, you Lord, if you don't take care of this, we're, we're goners. But it's the ways of God that we want to know, that we walk with him and talk with him, and he tells us we are his own. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for the great man, Moses, that you raised up and you tell us that he is an example for us as Christians. Lord, may we know your ways as Moses knew your ways. May we learn to walk with you as Moses walked with you. We thank you for what you did through him. We'll never do, and Lord, we don't even can't even dream of doing what Moses did. But Lord, you're the same God that, and the same powerful God that Moses prayed to. You're the God of the burning bush. You're the God that stood by, the, by Moses at the Red Sea. You were there, Lord, on the Mount of Horeb. And, he, and you're the God who you allowed to see the fringe of your garment. But, oh, Lord Jesus, we pray now that you will just speak to us in that kind, still, sweet voice that you spoke to Elijah. Let us know your ways, Lord. Keep us sensitive to your leading. Guide us through your word. You know, Lord, that you spoke in many different ways, 
But in your book, you tell us now you speak through your word. Bless your word to our hearts, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.